gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. What's up, everybody? It's Aaron from the Aaron Meta Show. It is the uh, 26th of August of 2018. Um, very sad weekend, unfortunately, once again. And uh, joining me once again is Patricia. If you can hear us. Hang on a second, sorry. Patricia, welcome to the show. Okay, your level's not working for some strange reason. Let's try again. Go on, Patricia. Yes, hi, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? So, uh, yeah, you joined us on the sad news that uh, uh, Stefan Carl Stefansson has uh, sadly passed away. And uh, we had known he was ill for uh, quite, a num- quite a while, but uh, little did we know that it was going to creep up so soon. And uh, now he's finally gone. Yeah, absolutely. Even though, uh, personally, Aaron and I didn't grow up with Lazy Town because we were already too old for it, but we do know that he does still have a... It still does have a huge fan base, not only in the U.S. and other places that it aired, but in its original country, Iceland. So I'm sure that, um, you know, for people who did grow up with Lazy Town, it's a very sad, sad day. Yeah. The thing is, is that, you know, beyond Lazy Town, like, uh, Stefan was a hugely talented individual. And uh, he, he basically, you know, let's, let's face it, Lazy Town, I mean... Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, there's because people who are going to probably uh, disagree with me on this, but uh, I always thought that Lazy Town was kind of par for the course. Like, you know, it was your typical kind of like uh, preschool kind of show where it kind of it had like a, an, an audience from like, uh, you know, maybe two or three years old to uh, maybe a little bit older than that. And, um, yeah, but here's, here's the thing that uh, the, Stefan brought the character Robbie Rotten so much to life that, uh, you know, people were making internet memes about him. He was, like, doing television. He was doing all sorts of appearances. He was even doing tours uh, at one point. You know, I, I would say that, uh, yeah, okay, then you could probably put some uh, uh, credit towards the other characters as well. But, uh, I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, we just played, uh, you know, we're number one. And uh, right now it's the uh, it's the music video on Lazy Town's uh, Facebook page. And the only one that basically has 47 million views on it. <laughs> That's crazy. I know, and uh, you know, so you know, Stefan was you know was such a talented individual. He brought the kind of like you know a typical cartoon villain to life uh, in such an incredible way. And uh, I just think uh, that it's just so sad that now he's finally passed on. And uh, yeah, because yeah, at a very young age as well, like you know, would you yeah you know, would you think we'd be doing a tribute a tribute at the beginning of a show for someone born in 1975? 
No. I, no. It's like, it's, that's what makes it so sad because, you know, Stefan, you know, if he hadn't become so unwell, and, you know, I'm sure there's like loads of ifs and buts and things like that, but, uh, you know, couldn't you have seen him go on to do something massively spectacular along with doing Robbie Rotten? Sure. Like, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, such, it's just so sad. And uh, so, you know, a thoughts and prayers with all his fans and all these, uh, all the people who, uh, you know, appreciated what he did. And, uh, you know, I hope that his legacy lives on in, uh, in I, mean, I hope that, uh, you know, to the point that Lazy Town, that he's, he's brought it to uh, life in such, you know, in a spectacular way that it kind of like transcends generations, kind of the same way that our generation did. You know, yeah, so, definitely. Even, I, I agree. Yeah, not only is this generation growing up with Lazy, Lazy Town, but the next generation, the generation after that will be doing that as well. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So uh, that's our that, that's our that's our thoughts to everybody, and uh, yeah, you've we've definitely got uh, your all in our thoughts today. Um, so hey, Patricia, uh, how has this week been for you? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> for those of people who do not know, uh, uh, basically, um, uh, Patricia started college, uh, well, college again, basically, and yes. uh, she's back at school. And so she's uh, working very hard in, uh, I believe, broadcast journalism at the minute. Yes, it is broadcast journalism. Yay! And so it's, uh, you know, the, so expect the uh, the quality of old school lane podcasts to get rapidly bigger over the next couple of months. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely hoping so. Yeah. So uh, and uh, I guess one of the things, um, I mean, this is the thing. Like for those of you who do not know, Patricia is very passionate about this, and uh, but there I say more passionate than I am because you know when I first started doing the Arrow Meta show, I just did this because I like to do this. I don't do this because I do this professionally. I don't do this because, um, I mean, I guess in some way, I guess I do this somewhat professionally because I'm involved in IT, but for me, it's uh, it's just something I like to do, and uh, it's kind of gone in its own directions, and as you can see now, we're kind of here where we are now, and uh, that's, uh, you know, but for Patricia, she's, uh, she's got her eyes on the prize more than I do. Yeah. So. I, I mean, ever since I started Old School Lane almost, I, oh my God, if you can believe it, seven years ago, um, it's been like a crazy journey with learning about like how to present um, content in a more consistent basis and then branching out into other things such as podcasts and then videos. So yeah, I, it's just all a matter of like learning new techniques and trying to, you know, keep up with everything. And then eventually I decided, you know what, I want to actually do this for a living. I, I actually enjoy it that much. So that's what I decided to do. I decided, you know what, I'm going to give myself a second chance. And as of the age of 32, I'm going to be going to college surrounded by a bunch of young 18 year olds, which, you know. <laughs> They get you to so much trouble, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's actually funny because Aaron and I we just did the um, the Avenue Q podcast a couple of weeks ago, and um, there one of the songs is pretty much become very relevant to my life. Uh, the song "I Wish I Can Go Back to College." Oh yes, like I just thought about that just now. It's like uh, you know, here we are. We were talking about it what a couple of weeks was it a week ago or two weeks ago? I can't remember how yeah, long. Yeah, like two weeks. Two weeks ago, ago. and here you are back at college. You live in yeah. the. You live in the dream. One line that really stuck out to me was, um, you know, I wish I could go back to college. Boy, what a loser I be! I walk in the quad and I think, oh my god, these kids are so much younger than me. <laughs> 
and here you are. So it's uh, it's, yes. uh, it's amazing how it all and comes. And it's funny from. because the first, uh, you know, when we were having our consecration, and you know, getting ourselves officially um, in, you know, and uh, you know, basically like um, accepted into the college, into the freshman dorm. Um, one of the things that they were giving away were fanny packs and everybody like swarmed in and wanted a fanny pack. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> it's mm. crazy. I even have one of my classmates who looks like somebody from Martin or a different world. And there were people wearing jean jackets again. It's like, oh my God, it's like I've transported back into the nineties. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, I, I kind of, I don't really like, uh, here's the thing about for me and fanny packs. Like uh, um, for those of you who do not know, I grew up in the attitude era of WWF and or WWE if you for everyone there now. And so as you can probably tell, uh, storylines in wrestling were pretty rancid at that time. You had Stone Cold Steve Austin drinking beer, uh, swearing and beating up his boss. And uh, you had like uh, all sorts of kind of like, you know, uh, j jokes about transgender people and things like that. Pretty in politically incorrect stuff. And um, one character they decided to evolve uh, was a guy called Midian. And Midian was like, I think he was like some kind of like zombie that I think The Undertaker brought back to life or something like that. I can't remember exactly the storyline, but uh, they did like this kind of altar sacrifice of like where they like drew his blood out and things like that. And like, there's some really crazy stuff with Midian. And then he turned into kind of like this like uh, a disciple of The Undertaker and his ministry and stuff. And then when the Ministry of Darkness broke up and they had no idea what to do with him, they decided to stick him in a fanny pack and call him Naked Midian. And that's, a, that, that's all. And the only thing he wore was a fanny pack, and he goes streaking around the air, like streaking around New York and like uh, you know, around like the the arena and stuff like that. And I think uh, William Regal had to wrestle him naked at one point. I think. Wow. And, yeah, that was uh, that was kind of like the, the parts of the Attitude Era we kind of don't want to talk about anymore. <laughs> like, right, like, right. So, you, know, uh, like, you know, it's funny because I think that. Um, I don't remember which podcast it was. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, it's a podcast that I'm going to be releasing next, uh, a SNCC podcast, where a few friends of mine, we were talking about SNCC. And one of the things we were actually talking about was how, um, you know, kids who grew up around the 2000s and are now, you know, adults in this era, like young adults, they kind of see it in the 90s as like an ironic kind of age. You know, they kind of like embrace the culture. You know, a lot of them are like rewatching Friends and some of them are like getting into the whole, um, you know, fashion craze, which is why I told you that a lot of those students are wearing like jean jackets and are having fanny packs. So it's kind of funny that, you know, what we see as like, oh, you know, we don't want to talk about that era anymore. But now there's a bunch of young kids who didn't grow up with that era are embracing it. Yeah, well, they're, they're going to find out about that stuff eventually. Like, you know, there's kind of like, this, uh, like yeah. you know, the, the 90s trends, like, yes, there was definitely some good things about it. But at the same time, there are also some bad things about it as well. Like, you know, sure. So, uh, but then again, that's like with every era. Yeah, I guess. I guess you're right in that regard. And, uh, so do, yeah, do, I can't wait for like the two thousands kids to look back fondly on yeah. you know. Do, the, do you remember all the? Do you remember all the kids back in school who were like made fun of because they liked Kurt Cobain and like Nirvana and things like that? They kind of like looked down upon, and now it's kind of like you know that kind of music scene now has become like the staple of that era. Sure. When you think about it, like, you know, everyone's into Metallica, everyone's into ACDC, and everyone's kind of, like, into Guns N' Roses, and yeah, I'm sure we're going way beyond 90s before that, but, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that people would have been made fun of at that time, now all, all of a sudden it's become cool. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, and like, so yeah, I guess I kind of agree with. Uh, there's a guy called uh, Adosa Buckley, and uh, he was kind of talking about this before. It's so like and saying like, look, some of the positive trends that so, I mean, some of the trends uh, that were that are here now from like those eras, they were not the trends at the time. 
Like, you know, they were, no, they, they, they were various other corporate manufactured stuff that was out there that everyone was listening to at the time. And uh, some of the stuff that we kind of look back on and kind of look a bit embarrassed about, but... Uh, Yeah, I I can't wait for like, you know, maybe another decade from now in which when everybody's like nostalgic about the 2000s, we're gonna be talking about, you know, remember when the millennium, when the year 2000 came along, it was supposed to be the big deal, like the Y2K. The crash. Yeah, Yeah, like like, one one thing that happened with one guy here in the UK, apparently he was so worried about what would happen with the millennium that he actually cut himself off from the world, bought a patch of land, uh, like built himself a house and like a little vegetable garden and like things like that because you just thought like the whole world was just going to end on the year 2000 so like and I don't know if he's still out there to this day but uh, it's kind of like he kind of reminds me of uh, do you remember like the last Japanese show soldier who couldn't who couldn't admit that the World War 2 ended and like he was just kind of out there and so he's kind of like lived in that kind of like so I, like life of solitude that he kind of built for himself and I don't know if he's still out there now but yeah that was uh, the, the, the millennium bug quote unquote the Y2K the craze that everyone was going through. That was oh, and, I, and also there was like that hack software that uh, people were bringing out to like because uh, there was like uh, people like fear that computers weren't going to be able to work after the year two thousand. So they yeah, brought out all yeah. this. Oh my god, it was pretty much just malware. Uh, it was pretty crazy. much yeah. It was like uh, it was pretty much no better than that bonsai buddy and like uh, you know all like oh those animal desktop icons that uh, people would install like back in the day. I don't know if you remember them. Like uh, mm. you, you do not want to remember them. I don't sure. Think. I'm saying it as an IT professional. Uh, Yeah, I guess that, you know, when you look at, like, all the silly um, events that happen and also with, um, you know, the crazy trends and the crazy predictions that was going to happen, I guess, you know, for most kids who didn't grow up during that time, they kind of, like, see it in a, like, a kind of, like, in a rose-tinted sort of way. Yeah. So, shall we get on with the show? Sure. Yeah. Okay. The doomsday clock on Trump's presidency has leapt forward. It's the final countdown. And so, uh, yeah, so President Donald Trump, uh, long-serving personal lawyer Michael Cohen, uh, pleaded guilty to twin federal election law offenses directly implementing the president. Uh, Mr. Cohen's statement set the foundation for the United States uh, attorney for the Southern District of New York uh, to subpoena Mr. Trump to testify about $280,000 paid to adult film star Stormy Daniels and Playboy model Karen McDougal during his 2016 election campaign for the silence of this decade-old affair uh, to which it influenced uh, the outcome of the election. So, um, do, do you know what's amazing about this, though, is that, have you heard, like, all the defenses for this? Like, uh, you know, saying that, uh, oh, it, was, it wasn't part of the official campaign, yada, 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 and that, oh, Donald Trump personally paid for it himself, and things like that. And it's like, dude, it still was money that went to his campaign to uh, silence these individuals and, st- and hush them up. Mm-hmm. So like, to, to influence the election. So, you know, that that, that argument doesn't hold water. And, no, it uh, doesn't. No, it doesn't. And uh, so, uh, Mr. Trump is likely to resist the subpoena. Surprise, surprise. That will force no, the challenge. No, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. Is like, he's, he's the president of the United States now, so there's nothing he can really do it. Well, supposedly. And, like, uh, he, there's nothing he can really... There's nothing much they can really do with him except impeach him. I, I mean, it's inevitable at this point. I mean, they talk about all like all these like uh, you know scenarios of like things like that. But yeah, here's the thing about this as well. Like, even if you went for impeachment, I mean, let's let's let's, let's talk about that for a second. The impeachment. Sure. Uh, where do you stand on the impeachment? Oh, let's see. Who would be a worse president, Trump 
or Pence. That's the qu- yeah. The, uh, that's the thing about this. Like, even if you did impeach Donald Trump, you're still stuck with Mike Pence. And, yeah, uh, I, right. I don't. And with Mike Pence, I don't think that wall's going to get stopped. And I don't. I think uh, if anything, I think it could potentially make things worse. Yeah. True. Yeah. So uh, I mean, it's uh, so yeah. I think the idea of just talk of impe- impeachment, I think, is not going to just uh, stop the train all of a sudden. I think. Uh, no, no, it's just going to take a slightly different direction, but it's heading toward the same path anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Trump would equally be doomed if he agreed to testimony of the oath. Uh, in his men- mental universe, he does not distinguish between truth and falsehood. Uh, perjury would be inescapable. He has already lied repeatedly about payoffs to the two women. His uh, foremost lawyer and spokesperson, Rudy Giuliani, has insisted. Truth isn't truth. <laughs> Wait, what? Truth isn't truth? No, that doesn't know. make any sense. I can't play it because it's NBC, but uh, he actually went on uh, NBC and said, and, uh, said to, uh, I can't remember what, his, what the name of the host was, but he actually said that truth isn't truth. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'll see if this, uh, I'll see this link actually. Where did this link go? Uh, oh, actually, this is, yeah, this is the, this is the, let me see if I can put this up for a second. Um... Don't know why there's no noise. I don't know why there's no music to it, but uh, hang on a second. That's because things down. Okay, let's just play this clip quickly. You believe this is on them that you would have that that you guys have not delayed the interviewing, uh, no. delayed the negotiations. Yeah, yes, Mueller. each time by three or four days, so we could write a letter in response. They have taken two to three weeks to get back to us. So I, what I have to tell you is, look, I'm not going to be rushed into having him testify so that he gets trapped into perjury. And when you tell me that, you know, he should testify because he's going to tell the truth and he shouldn't worry. Well, that's so silly because it's somebody's version of the truth, not the truth. He didn't have a... a comp- what are you talking about? Truth is truth. About- I, I don't mean to go like... I, no, I it isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. The president of the United States says, I didn't... Truth isn't I- truth. Mr. Mayor, do you realize what... I? I- no, I, no, th- no. This is going to become a bad don't, 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 do, don't, do, don't do this to me. Don't. Uh, you did it to yourself, mate. It's like, uh, Patricia? Are you still with us? No, I think Patricia just drops off. Well, yeah, the, the, that's the thing. Rudy Giuliani said in front of national television, truth isn't truth. Like, does he even realize what he's talking about anymore? Yeah, I think we just lost Patricia. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to hope that um, something is going to, you know, you think something in his mind would, um, would um, you know, something in his mind would say that, yeah, you shouldn't, you know, it's just this bull- absolute bullshit. I just came out of Rudy Giuliani. Like, uh, what on earth is he talking about? Like, the, the truth is, you know, the truth is the truth. Is that, is the truth? Yeah, I was just, I was just, uh, yeah, I mean. Oh, welcome no, back. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I just basically said what you said, that truth isn't truth, and he was basically just being a contradiction to himself. Yeah, but, sorry, did you, uh, did you hear the bit where Rudy Giuliani say, said it on NBC News? I yes, I did. did. Okay, then, cool, so, well, uh, we, we're through that. So, uh, President Trump may also be implicated in the uh, two June 2016 meeting on Trump Tower between Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, uh, Jared Kushner on the one hand, and the agents of Russian President Vladimir Putin on the other hand. The purpose, according to Donald Trump Jr., was to uh, solicit or receive damaging information on Democratic Party nominee Hillary Clinton to use on the electoral campaign. Federal law prohibits soliciting anything of value from a foreign government or agent to influence the outcome 
outcome of an election, even if the solicitation fails. It seems implausible that President Trump was uh, clueless about the meeting of such imp electoral importance. The collusion is reinforced by his coercion, uh, a concoction of, with Donald Trump Jr. of a false story that the, uh, the President Putin's minions were embraced in discuss uh, to discuss adoptions of Russian children, a non-issue in the 2016 presidential campaign. So they use the guise of, um, of, of adoption of Russian children to uh, potentially uh, dig up dirt on Hillary, you know, where, where, <laughs> from, 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 from the Russian government. That's sad. You know, that's really sad. It's just, you know, this is this is about to... I think this is just the scratching the surface. I think when they finally, you know, if if uh, Trump does get impeached, I think we're going to find out a lot more about him. If I, I, actually, I was thinking maybe uh, you know, if he somehow survives all of this, which at this case is starting to become quite slim, you know, if he does somehow wiggle his way out of this and does, you know, um, you know win 2020, like, I'm sure, I, I think even by 2024, we'll probably know a lot more about Donald Trump than we should do. Yeah, uh, like, for point. example, I mean, even still to this day, we don't know about his tax papers. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they just dug into Trump Tower and find out some really scummy things about it. Well, him. there's there's another allegation. Apparently, uh, a doorman who used to work for uh, for Donald Trump, apparently uh, he's uh, spilling the beans on uh, an allegation that he had uh, some kind of, uh, you know, relation with his uh, with his housemaid, which apparently had an, he had an illegitimate child with. Oh wow! It's, this is like Arnold Schwarzenegger all over again. It's, it's, it's worse than Schwarzenegger. He's president of the, he's, he's supposedly president of the United States. And I know I, people ask me why why do I not refer to him as you know a pre president of the United States? When well, if he's president of the United States, when's he going to start acting like it? <laughs> exactly. If anything, he's he's an incompetent businessman who thinks he's a president. You know, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, if, if not a you know a child in a high chair. With a with with a phone that he's with Twitter on it, I don't know. Just uh, anyway, it ends with this: uh, the uh, imponderable that will determine how quickly the doomsday clock for Trump presidency will strike midnight are threefold: uh, the credibility of Mr. Cohen as a witness under. Uh, uh, click lights, uh, the speed of which uh, Congress begins televised hearings into President Trump's wrongdoings, and the timing of the subpoenas for Mr. Trump's testimony from the U.S. Attorney of the Southern District of New York and Special Counsel Mueller. President Trump's ouster from the White House is no longer a question of if, but when. Yeah, pretty much so. I mean, let's just do a quick recap about how many people have been found with allegations or have been guilty with it. So one third of all the people that he hired for the White House is gone. His campaign manager was found guilty. His lawyer was found guilty. So yeah, it's not looking good for Trump right now. It is, and uh, you know, and also on top of that, here in you know in, in Brexit land as well, you know, for all these uh, all this crazy stuff that Donald Trump supported as well, you know, they're starting to find all sorts of shady stuff that was going on behind the uh, the EU referendum and the Brexit campaign, and that also, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if they find all links going back to Trump in that kind of regard. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, it's uh, it's all starting to kind of like, you just see this kind of like little conspiracy of the far right kind of like, uh, you know, uh, starting to kind of glue together at this point. And so uh, I, I kind of think, you know, 10 years down the line, we're probably going to be looking at all this and thinking, my God, like, you know, how do we not all see this coming and when are we going to learn from it? And like, yeah, uh, sure. and as well, like most of what we're talking about here could have been avoided. 
Like, sure. uh, you know, it's like if, uh, and some of that as well, like, uh, you know, I don't dump this all on the Republicans. I don't dump this all on the Trump, on, on Trump. You know, like, uh, at the same time as well, like, people have got to take some responsibility for this as well. The Democrats, you know, uh, rigging the primaries against Bernie Sanders, they've got to take some responsibility for the, uh, the, 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 the mess that this has been created as well. And uh, on top of that, like, um, it's just politics in general. It's just become so isolated and so, um, you know, ostracized from uh, normal people on the ground in America and also here in the UK as well like uh, you wonder why people react in such irrational ways and things like that because the political system that uh, is supposedly supposed to be helping them is not helping them Who, who's going to help the normal people who's going to help the people in need yeah and uh, unfortunately at the moment we've got the wrong answers I think in all of this and so uh, I do worry about you know, if, uh, if if lessons aren't learned about from all this uh, corruption that's currently going on, then, you know, who, who knows where we're going to be in, uh, you know, a couple of years. Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe we might get a somewhat of an idea, and I'd hate to bring, kind of, like, intertwine this with another story, but uh, um, are you familiar with what's going on in Venezuela right now? I've been hearing about it. Well, actually, we did, we actually did, we did this uh, a couple of, we did this a while back ago, like, with, like, biker gangs going around, like, you know, attacking people and stuff, and, like, protesters blowing... You know, bombs out in the street. But uh, this is the consequences of that. Uh, the UN Migration Agency in Venezuela is heading for the same refugee crisis moment that we've seen in the Mediterranean in 2015. So, for those of you who do not know what's going on in the Mediterranean right now, um, because of all the, the crisis and the conflicts that are happening in the Middle East and in North Africa, uh, people are getting on boats and, sa- and like sailing over to uh, places like Italy and Spain and some of the southern uh, European countries to seek refuge. And eventually that uh, goes towards um, places like Germany and France and uh, various other parts of the... uh uh, but other parts of Europe, uh, mainly they end up kind of staying in the uh, in the country that they end up landing in in uh, some cases, and that's causing some uh, issues in uh, in Italy. But as you can probably imagine, that's a migration crisis involving millions of people, you know, trying to escape conflict and hunger and poverty and uh, everything else, uh, you know. Uh, government suppression and things like that, and now here we have, uh, you know, um, President uh, President Maduro uh, putting his people through all sorts of suf- suffering, you know, hunger, and you know, all sorts of unspeakable things. And uh, here's the response of that, and that is that people are trying to get from um, places like Ecuador and Peru. Uh, and also to Colombia as well, trying to basically escape for, you know, with their lives and uh, children and things like that. And so, um, basically, there's just a massive dash now for the Peruvian border. Uh, hundreds of Venezuelans were bussed through Ecuador to the Peruvian border before the midnight deadline on Friday. Uh, Jonathan Zambrano, who is 18, who is in Tumbres in the border between Ecuador and Peru, told news agency AFP that he has been on the road for five days along with many others. Uh, more than 2,500 people uh, crossed the uh, small Peruvian border to the town Aguas Verdes, on Friday, uh, with the with thousands more trying to reach Peru in the main crossing at uh, Tumbes. Uh, Tumbes crossing has seen about 3,000 arrivals per day in recent weeks. Oh my god. Yeah, there's a little video of this as well, which uh, I, I can see if I can try and play off Twitter, but I can't. Sometimes uh, Google Chrome plays up a little bit in this, but... Uh, no, I don't think it's playing. But uh, basically, Katie Watson reports, so this is an immigration queue to get into Peru from midnight. So they won't let Venezuelans through if they don't have passports. Uh, less than half an hour left. Uh, immigration op- officials expect lots of angry people to can't, who can't get stamped in time. 
So uh, this is basically this is basically turning into a migration crisis, and it's, it's no surprise. Like uh, Maduro and his uh, his government has run the country into the ground with his so-called you know uh, revolution that uh, Chavez first started off with, and uh, they've basically been um, riding the wave of oil prices, and now uh, that's starting to uh, you know for you know blow up in their face, and uh, now I- I- Venezuela is going through this crippling uh, economic crisis, and uh, it's just something they can't get out of it. At the moment, it's pretty much. I, I don't know if it's on par with Zimbabwe at this point, but uh, it's uh, it's a crisis whether you know you, you look at it or not. And uh, so right now, at the moment, Peru is home to about four hundred thousand Venezuelan migrants, of whom have arrived in the past year, according to Peru's immigration agency. So it's it's all about that as well. It's uh, you can see on a chart here, it's going from what to Brazil. It's going to the. It is even going to the U.S. Uh, through Cuba, mm-hmm. from the looks of it, it's going to Mexico. Yep. It's it's having a it's having an effect on the continent and even going intercontinental at this point. So <sighs> it just makes me really really sad to see this, you know, because these are people who are suffering and these are people who are going through so much, and there just can't seem to be like a a resolution, like um a way that we can be able to just stop this madness. Instead, it just keeps on going and going. It's Maduro needs to, needs to wise up and think, look, this revolution has, has, has failed. Like, look, it, it, it has failed. Like, uh, he needs to change course and he needs to make things start, make things better for his people. And, yeah, but uh, unfortunately, you know, he's not going to worry about his people. He's just going to worry about his pride. Yeah. But what annoys me is, is that, uh, you know, the, 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 the far left... In uh, in all of this, they 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 still you know refuse to condemn what's going on in Venezuela. Like you still have uh, you know Jeremy Corbyn here in here in the UK has not said has has praised Venezuela in the past, and now all of a sudden he's kept very quiet about it and is not saying another word about it. And uh, in regards to um, and there's still other people who look at Venezuela as uh, some kind of like you know uh, socialist utopia, and it's, it's just look look at what's going on here, everybody. Like you know, it's just it's. Uh, it's 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 horrible to uh, to look at, and when you have gangs going around on the streets, and on top of that as well, there was even a report now that uh, apparently a lot more women are now starting to sell their bodies for sex just to survive. Yeah, something needs to be done. It's just it's uh, it's it's awful what's going on there at the minute. Um, let's have a look now. There was a video we were going to play called "Incredibly Brave Man," and this is in regards to the. Uh, uh, Catholic Church sex abuse scandal, but uh, unfortunately it's copyrighted by RTE, so we can't play it. But uh, I have brought out something else, and uh, this is basically, you know, the Pope is currently visiting uh, Ireland at the minute. And uh, recently, I recently just learned about this, he's actually uh, met with uh, victims of the of sex abuse in the Catholic Church. Which I say, you know, good. Like, I hope that he's going to continue, you know, trying to repair all of that, but uh, really what we need to see is kind of results. Like, uh, apparently there are still um, uh, priests and uh, who have not been defrocked yet and have allegations against them. So uh, I guess you could say the Me Too movement, I guess, has not kind of reached the Catholic, you know, like the you know the uh, the the steps of the Catholic Church yet, I guess, or at least they've gotten seeped into the Vatican. But uh, I thought I'd make a note of this because uh, this is what I've got here is an article, uh, the summary of uh, clerical sex abuse scandals in Ireland at the minute, and so uh, there are various ones currently on the uh, on the chart. So. 
Um, the clerical child sex abuse scandal has rocked the Catholic Church over two decades. Uh, allegations of sexual abuse by uh, members of the Catholic institutions and clerics began to emerge in the late 1980s. Uh, however, it is not until the 1990s that revelations of pedophile priests and uh, sex abuse scandals uh, in ch children's homes have publicly been exposed uh, after pre following pressure from victims and survivors, as well as public opinion and media reports. Uh, a number of criminal cases and Irish government inquiries uh, exposed the extent of horrific crimes and undiscovered uh, details of how hundreds of priests abused ch thousands of children over decades. So, um, there was the situation with pedophile priest uh, uh, Brendan Smith, uh, one of the most infamous cases was Belfast-born pedophile Brendan Smith, who abused over 140 children in four decades. And, uh, 140? 140. Oh my god, no, no! Uh, Smith was arrested in 1994 in Belfast and went on to run and went on to run to the Republic of Ireland. He went on the run, uh, sorry, I should say, to the Republic of Ireland, where he spent three years there. Uh, after the mishandling of his extradition led to the collapse of the Irish government. Wow. Yeah. That's... That's shocking. Mm -hmm. uh, the revelations led to a number of inquiries set up by the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. Um, so there was the commission into the inquiry into child abuse of commonly known as the Ryan Report. The inquiry looked into the child abuse institutions run by religious orders. Uh, it was established in May of 2000 and went on to detail horrific neglect by religious uh, congregations who were left uh, to look after children. It documented rape and sexual assault of children who were kicked, physically assaulted and forced to carry out hard labor. Uh, more than 90% of witnesses reportedly being physically abused. Uh, the, the report was published in 2009 made a number of recommendations including those to help protect children. Uh, the redress scheme would cost more than 1.25 billion euros which probably works out to about an, over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. There was other reports after that. There was the Ferns report that was published in 2005. Uh, the report addressed how the allegations were handled. So even the allegations were handled incorrectly when they were first made. Uh, the Murphy report, which uh, it was a 2009 report that investigated uh, child abuse uh, by priests in Dublin from a period of over 1975 to 2004. So that, uh, that quarter of that early 20th century, there was abuse going on. And uh, and and so it was uh, something that basically just went under the radar, and even when it went on the radar, it fell right off it again, because no yeah. one was taking the allegations seriously. That cost 3.6 million euros, which is about three million dollars, I guess you could say. Uh, one of the priests uh, who admitted stated that he did so more than 100 times, and uh, also did uh, did so fortnightly for 25 years, and nobody stopped him. Uh, along with also, and you know, it's just this is the this is the 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 damning um, weight of uh, of this church, and you know, it pains me to say this as a as a Roman Catholic myself. You know, like uh, this has been going on for a long time, and that yet, you know, it's been taking a, a huge lot of time for heads to roll, for things to change, for the Catholic Church to even admit that it happened. You know, and uh, on top of that as well, some uh, some victims have not even even had apologies about what happened. And like, uh, and yeah, people say that uh, this is the stuff that's been going on in Ireland. And, uh, you know, it, it was funny when people tell me about, you know, when the abortion, uh, the the pro-life movement succeeded with that referendum where they could legal have a, they could legalize abortion in, uh, in, in, in Ireland. And everyone was kind of in shock. It's like, oh, how could this be? Like everything like that. It's like, well, you look at what's happened with the church. And uh, you can't help people like, you know, want to go into that referendum and want to give, uh, you know, the, the Catholic Church a, a, a bloody nose. 
through that referendum. And, uh, you know, refer unfortunately, this is the problem with referendums. With uh, It happened in the AV referendum when uh, they wanted to when they wanted to punish, punish the Liberal Democrats. Unfortunately, there's going to be people out there who are going to use things like this and uh, start to, uh, you know... Uh, um, you know, have vendettas and start to want to, you know, get their own back. And, uh, you know, how, what, what better way were they, they going to do in this situation uh, is by, um, ha you know, having a, a referendum that they can agree on, because uh, I agree that if, uh, even though I, even though it's, uh, you know, Catholic teachings that teach otherwise, I believe in a right woman's right to choose uh, what to do. And so, you know, and uh, if I was in Ireland and I had this opportunity on the table to, uh, you know, not only, uh, you know, support my beliefs, but on top of that as well, give, uh, tell the Catholic Church what I thought about them, you know, I'd have believe votes uh, for, for uh, illegalizing abortion in this referendum. You know, so uh, it becomes, uh, it becomes multi, you know, uh, uh, you, you find lots of other ways to kind of like, um, you know, f you know, start, uh, you know, making yourself heard after hearing all this abuse and things like that. And, uh, so, yeah. So, um, in regards to apologies, uh, in May, March 2010, Pope Benedict, uh, wrote a pastoral letter of apology for all the abuse carried out by the Catholic clergy in Ireland. In 2000, in May 2010, Pope Benedict established a formal panel to investigate sex abuse scandals. And in August of 2018 of this year, Pope Francis apologized in an open letter to victims of clerical abuse, saying that, uh, quote, no effort will be spared to prevent abuse and its cover-up in the future. Well, it's something. Yeah. I think they could but do more. It's, nothing. it's it's pretty much nothing. I mean, come on, the, you've ruined people's lives because of this, and all for what? Yeah. Arrest, you know, people who've done, who've carried out this abuse, arrest them, defrock them, and put them in front of a judge. That's yeah. what they should be doing. And uh, so, uh, anyway, we we move on from this, and uh, actually, we got some fact checking to do. We're moving into our entertainment section, by the way. So, uh, another the hard-headed news that we like to do on this show. But, all right uh, then. Right, so uh, let's address this for a second. Um, hey Arnold fans have been getting somewhat a bit overexcited, at least in my opinion, because um, hey, you know, hey Arnold has been talked up about uh, potentially going onto Netflix, and also there's also talk about Hulu, and also they talk about that, and this all stems from an interview from uh, Jim Lank, who said that uh, you know Nickelodeon has turned down uh, the possibility of season six coming back to Nickelodeon because uh, the reason he states is because according to the ratings and uh, you know this validates what I've been saying for a while like uh, people have been saying that you know the ratings are you know were low and things like that but uh, it turns out actually that the ratings were actually very good for Hey Arnold the Jungle movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we've actually did discuss about this many times off, um, off the, um, off the radio, um, off the podcast. I mean, yeah, off the record, uh, the radio, <laughs> mm. off the podcast. We actually did discuss about this multiple times about how when we looked at the actual ratings of, uh, Hey Arnold, about like when it first aired on Nickelodeon and then it went first aired on Nick Splat, the ratings were actually really good. The problem was is that the um, the focus of the advertisement when we saw the jungle movie together was of the new episodes of the loud house and henry danger and a whole bunch of other shows that well, those, those were the shows that came like before hey on the jungle movie came up and uh, you know in regards to that argument i remember people telling me he's like oh well uh, you know the, the loud house had no uh, advertisements and that did higher ratings than the jungle movie did at the beginning and he's like let me ask you a question why does your number two show need to be heavily advertised <laughs> like, you know, Rick and Morty did huge ratings and they were barely advertised. They were advertised online. They barely had any TV slots except for that uh, couch gag that they had on The Simpsons. But, uh, you know, that was only because they were doing guest animators at the time. 
you know, during that hey, during that season of The Simpsons. But you know, the, there's a reason why Hey Arnold needed all that advertising because it's been off the air for 14 years. Yeah, exactly. And not to mention that, let's be honest, on Nickelodeon, they didn't do the same treatment as on the Nicksplat. Remember, on the Nicksplat, they aired every single episode of Hey Arnold, and they aired the movie. Nickelodeon didn't give that treatment to Hey Arnold at all, and that was where it first aired. And also, I might mention this because Erin um, and I were working on a video together about the pros and cons of the Jungle movie. But here's the thing. The Jungle movie already aired on the Nick.com website first, right before it aired on TV. And I can assure you that if you have been waiting for this movie for a very long time, and I know a lot of you guys have, most likely you would watch it on Nick.com first before you air it on TV. And the likely is actually, we've never actually, uh, if it, I don't think they've actually publicly released the digital numbers, like, you know, the, the digital downloads and things like that. But uh, let me let me safely say this. According to Jim Lang, apparently the ratings how it broke down was we did number two and number three in the millennial demographic. So to yeah. me, that's, that's a success. You know, think about this for a second. A, a Nickelodeon, you know, a, a kids TV network that only caters to the six to 11, you know, uh, male, female demographic did, you know, be, basically beat out every other major network. In, in two to three, and that was just a kids' TV channel. How, you know, like, uh, that, that's, just a, that's just amazing. You know, yeah, when, when you really think about it. And also, it even the be, fact it that even, he stated that the reason why basket, So, sorry, but just, let me just make this one no, point. No, no, uh, no, yeah, but, um, bas you know, there was basketball games going on like that. Apparently, it was supposed to be a big night for basketball, uh, from what I was told. And apparently, uh, the, you know, Hang on the Jungle Movie did higher ratings than them. Right. And also, uh, I was just about to state where uh, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but um, here's the thing. Like when, you know, what Jim Lang was stating about, like it was airing, you know, the second and the best for the millennials. That's great. But Nickelodeon is not catering toward the millennials, which is why they're not getting a season six. Which makes that sense is because why uh, we're uh, not uh, getting uh, season six is because the newer kids didn't really gravitate it towards as much as the Jungle movie. And let's be honest. Well, I'm gonna I, say, I, let's I, let's let's put let's put this into context, though, Patricia. I mean, because I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, it did ten or eleven in uh, in place in the uh, in the ratings in regards to the six to eleven demographic. I, I totally accept that. So you know, of course, they you know Nickelodeon aren't going to uh, put 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 any more hair on all that. You know, as, as far as they're concerned, you know, job's done, mission accomplished. And I, I say the same thing as well. But you know, if Here's the thing about this: if if you want to go for Hey Arnold season six, why not? I mean, obviously, uh, why not do it for a, an on-demand you know, network and obviously cater it towards the millennial demographic? And, do, and so it makes more sense for them to kind of pitch it to uh, you know to the on-demand streaming service like Netflix and uh, and Hulu and things like that. Now, from what I understand, and I actually know this from a personal source of, that uh, has uh, talked to me about this. Uh, apparently, um, uh, Netflix already turned down this 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 route. So Netflix at the moment are not interested in making a sixth season of Hey Arnold. But uh, so basically, where everyone stands is in regards to Hey Arnold right now. They're basically hoping that Hulu or Amazon Prime will also pick up, will hopefully pick up the series. So that's that's basically where we are at the minute in regards to. Uh, that so you know for all those uh, t you know clickbait articles they're basically saying that oh Netflix is going to be coming back and uh, by the way shame on Lad Bible for picking this show picking up this this story up and basically pretty much lying to hey Arnold fans and pretty much fans of Nickelodeon for saying oh uh, you know uh, they're going to be we're, we're going to be making a hey Arnold season six for uh, 
uh, for um, you know for, for, for Nickelodeon and uh, Hey Arnold and oh hey you go you know Craig Ballard's going to be coming back and you know like when it was total dishonesty like you know total pie in the sky and uh, so you know they, they should really be more you know this is why people complain about fake news because it's like uh, you know when you when you're doing clickbait articles like that and uh, you're pretty much leading people astray and you're just angering people and stuff like that like you know guys don't do that. Like, I, I have respect for people who say, like, oh, it's, um, you know, um, all the posits, you know, maybe articles that were saying, oh, well, there might be possibly, you know, a uh, Hey Arnold Season 6. There's talk and there's rumours and things like that. I totally accept that because you're not actually confirming that there's going to be Hey Arnold uh, uh, coming coming to uh, Netflix or there's going to be a TV show that's going to be produced by a particular network or uh, 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 or Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything like that. I totally accept that and say that that's all right. But when you blatantly say to somebody that there is going to be a show that is going to be going on demand on a particular streaming network, people are going to be pulling out their credit cards and subscribing to that, and when they find out that it's actually not going to happen, they're going to be angry about it because they spent money that they knew, you know, they spent money on on thinking that there was that was going to happen. And so... Right, exactly. There, there's, you know, there's... Uh, that, so, just watch what you report, please. Like you know, because yeah. you're angry. Well, don't a lot of people do it for the ratings. It. Don't do it for the clicks. Don't do it for the views. If you are gonna state something, just say that it's rumored. Don't say that it's actually gonna happen because you're just gonna discredit yourself as a reliable source. Yeah, and also on top of that as well, like uh, if people are saying like, "Oh, Aaron, you've made some you know, inaccuracies." Like, look, I'm a talk show on, and which I do uh, for free. And uh, I do voluntarily, and I do because I enjoy it. You know, if you're taking your news from me, then you're an idiot. But, uh, um, so, <clears throat> let's have a look at this. So, so yeah, so basically, that, that's, that's where we started. Hey Arnold, it's not coming to Netflix. It's not going to, uh, um, it's not, it's not coming anywhere yet, you know, but it still could happen. So, you know, sign petitions, uh, contact companies, you know, g g do it, you know, and, uh, then there possibly might be a season six, but, uh, right now, don't believe everything that you're reading. Just, uh, you know, keep, uh, campaigning if you want to see Hannah season six, keep signing the petition that's out there and, uh, you know, hopefully we might, we might get it. I really hope that we do get it because I actually do want to see, uh, season six and, you know, Craig's my hero and uh, I do want to see him succeed and uh, I do want to see him make more Hey Arnold and I want to see him, you know, do... Do do things like that. I do want to see it interested in myself. You know, here's the thing about this though, Patricia. If we're gonna, here's the thing about this, and uh, I think though, Hey Arnold fans, at least in my opinion, are asking for the wrong thing. Like if they're asking basically for season six, which you know would have been all right if we were still six to eleven years old, maybe. But uh, isn't it time now that we had a Hey Arnold that kind of talked to this to this age group? Like, you know, we had a show which basically aimed at the uh, the, the 18 to maybe 34 demographic. And sure. I mean, we're the ones who watched it the most. We're the ones who tuned in, saw it multiple times, bought the DVDs and all that stuff. I mean, it's clear to me that, you know, the fans of Hey Arnold are the ones who grew up with it. Yeah. And there's the thing about this as well. Like, wouldn't we rather have a Hey Arnold where, you know, our, our favorite characters have now grown up? I, I know this has been done in satire and stuff like that. I know there's, like, those, uh, you know, alpha parodies of, like, you know, them growing up in a... You know, in, uh, in all sorts of in all sorts of parodies, things like you know, growing up in in the now. But you know, I'd rather see like a serious attempt of uh, Craig Bartlett saying like, oh hey, you know, Arnold and Helga are now like eloping in like an apartment, and like you know, they're doing dealing with like you know, high cost of living, uh, you know, a job that they don't particularly you know they do like doing, but they don't 
particularly get appreciate you know the pay isn't as appreciative or you know you have like people like you know uh, maybe one of some of the kids are still living at home because they can't obviously get onto the property ladder or anything like that you know you know problems that millennials are currently dealing with right now like you know like uh, you know I mean, healthcare is too you know, expensive they've done that for um, you know things i can't explain which is the book that continues off from clarissa explains it all in which clarissa is 26 and she's going through with the issues that a millennial is going through so you know, if that can happen, then I would love to see that happen. I'd love to see that as well. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you want to ask for season six, then great. And uh, obviously, I've done my video. You know, uh, six reasons why we need a hey, six uh, things I like to see in Hey Arnold season six. Because if you know, if, Nick, if Hey Arnold season six was going to come back on Nickelodeon, those were the things I'd like to see addressed. But uh, I mean, if season six goes ahead on on demand, then great. You know, uh, all all power to it. But uh, for me, I think it's time to start, you know, kicking up Hey Arnold again and maybe aiming it. You know, making a serious attempt to aiming it towards the millennial audience. I think. Yeah, and and if they don't, which might be a strong chance that they don't, then that's perfectly fine. If you want to, you know, gear towards kids of this generation, that's perfectly fine. I mean, Hey Arnold is much of a timeless show that you can be able to do that. So if you want to, you know, gear it to this generation of kids, then I would have no issues on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, by the way, before we move on, um, if you want to get your questions in for the Hey Arnold anniversary show, what a nice segue, it's askcraig2018 at rmsa.co.uk. That's askcraig2018 at rmsa.co.uk. You can ask him anything. And uh, actually, the deadline, I believe, is going to be tomorrow. So it's going to be the 27th of August is going to be the deadline. So midnight on the 27th of August. If you've not got questions in, then you know, basically speak now or forever hold your peace. So uh, because, uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be happening. It's good deadline's going to be happening pretty soon. And uh, so the Hair on Anniversary show goes up on October the 7th on the anniversary. Right, sounds event. great. So cool. Let's talk about Cartoon Network, and my goodness, are they riding the wave right now? Because uh, they're getting high praise for like Steven Universe, uh, various other shows as well, and uh, and also now it's getting to the point where uh, Cartoon Network are now trying to branch out in Africa, and so Cartoon Network Africa are seeking pitches from African creators. That sounds great. Yeah. So Cartoon Network Africa Creative Lab is a, a new program with objectives of bringing locally produced short-form content to the Africa Network's Africa channel and digital platforms. Cartoon Network Africa's current programming relies mostly entirely on content produced by other Cartoon Network channels around the globe, and it aims to produce more locally relevant content that resonates with African audiences. Uh, to participate in Cartoon Network Africa Creative Lab, the network is inviting everyone, creators, writers, graphic artists, animation students, to submit ideas for one to three minute comedy orientated projects that fit Cartoon Network's values of uh, random, irrelevant, smart, uh, irreverent, uh, smart, and contemporary humor. Uh, ideas should be targets towards children of 6 to 12 years old with the core targets of boys of 8 to sorry 7 to 10 years old uh, why boys is the core target because uh, it's the same in the US and most networks because of the unfounded theory that girls don't watch cartoons as much as boys do which uh, I mean I can't speak for Africa but uh, you know you and I you know obviously watched cartoons you know religiously I think uh, back sure. in the day so. I, I mean I guess it depends on the culture Maybe I guess it does it as well. But, you know, like, uh, I guess uh, it'd be interesting to see, like, because you remember water the water cartoon show, don't you? From of course. Cartoon yeah, so, and that brought us the Powerpuff Girls, Cow and Chicken, Johnny Bravo, uh, oh my goodness, like, all all these, uh, you know, uh, I don't think they did, no, uh, it was uh, Kablam that brought us Angela Anaconda, but... Uh, yeah, uh, Kablam brought us Angela Anaconda, Anaconda but yeah. to be fair, um, it was aired on Fox, it didn't air on Nickelodeon. Okay, then, so, but uh, if you, uh, I guess, how would we think if they, maybe should they, should they do, should they bring back the Water Cartoon show? 
And uh, I think get nowadays people. I don't think it's relevant anymore because they're already showing off like their cartoon pitches on like YouTube. Like more recently, Nickelodeon has been showing off like um, all the the possible pilots for cartoons, and they've been doing it on their YouTube channel. Yeah, but, and, you but know, my argument against that would like, be my my. Yeah, my argument against that would be is that uh, if you if you uh, check out the mysterious Mister Enter, like uh, you know some of the stuff that he brings up, I would never have known until he talks about it. So hmm. uh, it kind of like it's good to put your stuff online, but then you need to get people to talk about it. If uh, if that makes sense. So yeah, uh, I think that you know uh, they tried doing this ten years ago with random cartoons, and that didn't exactly like turn out very well. It wasn't until like Frederator had their own YouTube channel, and then there was Shut Up Cartoons, in which they started posting their stuff on YouTube, and then it got more people talking about it. So I think that for the most part, when it comes to like that, I think that when it comes to like ratings or you know voting online of which cartoon really stood out to you, I think that's when that's going to be like the norm when it comes to that. I don't think like something like Kablam or or what a cartoon or random cartoons is going to be like relevant anymore. Yeah. So uh, anyway, well, I hope something good comes out of this because I mean, again, I remember us having this conversation a while back ago. Like, uh, well, how cool would it be if they started doing like if Nickelodeon, for example, uh, started regionalizing its Nicktoons? So it like uh, it started making Nicktoons in uh, in Asia, in in Africa, in uh, in Europe, and in various other co- continents across the world, and then they kind of like brought them all together as like and created like this kind of like this uh, super Nicktoons channel, something like that, like kind of this international Nicktoons channel, and like kind of like showed kids from around the world, you know, shows, you know, showed kids, like, from all different cultures and things like that, like, you know, this is like our idea of the Nicktoons, and you know, out of that good stuff, you could probably get get another SpongeBob SquarePants, because there's so many people putting in yeah, ideas. absolutely. I mean, how many shows or how many movies have we seen that came from another country that we've loved? Yeah, like, uh, I guess, uh, I mean, I like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like, uh, I, I <clears throat> that came from another country, and uh, it was uh, pretty good. And, uh, you know, I like Ghost yeah. in the Shell. Uh, you know, some of my favorite animated movies came from other countries, like... Um, oh, Akira was also Nicholas legendary as well. It was right? originally from, you know, France, and it talked about, like, the, um, you know, the Pakistani War, and, you know, there's Triplets of Belleville, which also came from France, all the, uh, you know, Studio Ghibli movies... Um, you know, all those kind of things. So, yeah, I think that it would be nice to see, you know, movies or cartoons or shows from other countries. My sister is even obsessed with South Korean soap operas. <laughs> okay. Um, this is a really bizarre story, which we're going to go in. This is a Nickelodeon story, so I'll, I'll give this to everyone. Uh, Nickelodeon is opposing a 12-year-old girl, 12-year-old New Zealand girl's slime trademark for some reason. Uh, Viacom has decided to take its trademark bullying uh, game international and is possibly uh, against the most uh, sympathetic target it could find. Uh, Nickelodeon, its own Viacom, as we all know, uh, has decided to uh, oppose the trademark registration of a 12-year-old girl in New Zealand, claiming the trademark uh, word word slime is too important. Uh, Katharina um, Westshade uh, has uh, managed to build up an online brand in New Zealand and promoting it uh, for playing with slime, according to her. She's made a business out of it and attempted to uh, trademark, sli- trademark slime princess, only to find that Nickelodeon is opposing it. Uh, it's kind of ironic. Remember um, many years ago when Ghostbusters wanted to sue Nickelodeon because they were using slime and they were saying like, oh, you're copying off our slime because we have a character called Slimer. And then Nickelodeon said, we've had slime since 1979 with you can't do that on television. So in a, in a way, I think you're just copying off of us. So they basically just backed out of the deal. I, I, so 
Yeah, I guess yeah. this is the thing. Slime has been used like so um, loosely, I guess, in television because you know there was a there was a show called Noel's House Party, and uh, they used slime. You know, they were sliming celebrities and things like that. And so, you know, Nickelodeon wasn't the only uh, you know versions of the game, and also Ghostbusters weren't the only people to use slime in that game. You know, I guess you could say that uh, you know slime was kind of like a. Uh, 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 I guess a sticking point in, uh, funnily enough, in uh, in in nineties uh, nostalgia, and uh, so I guess you can somewhat see why Nickelodeon is doing it. But it is a bit of a dick move to say that you know you can't use Slime Princess as, as a yeah, trademark. I mean, in New if Zealand. it was Gak, I would completely understand it. But mm. Slime, yeah. I mean, that's just too vague to uh, prevent trademarking. You know? Yeah, I know. And so, uh, mind you, I don't particularly want to know what she's doing if she's calling herself Slime Princess. Like, I mean, if it's a princess made of slime, a uh, princess obsessed with slime, I don't know. I don't know. If it was, uh, I'll safely say this, if this if this goes south for her and, like, you know, in a couple of years down the line, like, uh, no, I'm not making that joke, actually. You know, that's, that's a that's a bit, uh, you know, for a 12-year-old girl, I think that's a bit, that's a bit too far. But uh, um, she says, uh, just let me look at uh, further in this article, uh, everything about this is absurd, apparently. Uh, we can start by saying how likely it is for any confusion to be exist between uh, We Shade and Nickelodeon. Uh, move on from the very uh, generic broad uh, mark that uh, Viacom uh, apparently holds in New Zealand. Uh, take a turn to the point that uh, uh, We Shade's business has uh, something like uh, $20,000 in valuation and finish off by simply pointing out that PR Nightmare, which is the parent company of a kid's uh, network battling a 12-year-old in a trademark office. So uh, well, it really depends what she's doing with it. I mean, we don't even actually know what the slime princess is doing you know, in mm. regards to this. Yeah. So. What 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 is what I should say? I mean, maybe we should let's say we have got Google in front of us, so maybe we should have a look at this. Yeah, uh, sure. I'm a bit worried about googling slime princess. I'll be totally honest with everybody, but uh, we'll we'll give it a go anyway. Yes, yes. Let's let's see what it is. Slime princess. Yeah, um, slime princess from Adventure Time. Oh, I that's slime that. princess from Adventure Time. So. Uh, yeah, I think if there's already mind you, it's like uh, you know you could say Adventure Time probably would uh, would um, have a problem with slime princess wouldn't you think rather than nickelodeon yeah and i see uh let's see slime, slime princess tower girls kingdom uh, okay. what is tower what is that i don't know uh oh, hang on a second i kind of what where, where is it again Ta yeah, tower right, girls. Right, right up there like right before the adventure time thing oh that's um i remember this it was uh what do you call it uh tower tower girls is i think is some kind of uh uh, what what is uh? I can't remember. Is that a video game? I think it is actually Tower Girls Kingdom. Yeah, Tower Girls Kingdom is a uh. Um, sorry, I'm just reading through the uh thing as we say. Oh, the game. Here we go. Yeah, Tower Girls is a oh RPG st st uh, uh strategy game where where you where you the knights will have to decide whether the, the fortunes of a kingdom uh, plunge in war and a sudden disappearance of a former ruler, dragon princess. So, okay, yeah. so they have a slime princess. So why is it that Nickelodeon is claiming this? I mean, remember like a few years ago when the when the um, when the React to that uh, channel decided to like coin the term React and nobody else could use it. Yeah, I remember that, and uh, that was that was stupid in itself. I yeah, like it. I was really dumb. Yeah. Oh well, people do stupid shit. Mm -hmm. Um, let's have a look. Uh, let's have a look at the, uh, oh, we've got another video coming up. So, uh, this, uh, let's take a look at this and, uh, see what we think. Give me one second. It's, uh, yeah, after the, uh, um, yeah, I hate pausing like this, but, uh, there's anyway I can think. Oh, here we go. Okay, so apparently according to the title, child proofing is a myth. 
Childproofing is a myth. Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm actually intrigued. <laughs> Those are the kid who's uh, managed to pull down a fence. Wow. This is a kid who's managed to hack into a door. <laughs> He's used a knife to, like, mind you, why did the kid get the knife in the first place? I'd be worried if he got that. <laughs> Are you going to show mommy? Show me how'd you do it. Okay, so there's a kid who's uh, pulling down a. Uh, oh, he's pu pulling off like the part of the frame, and then getting into the into the unlocked door by doing that. So, oh, this is like one of those. You know those uh, drawers that you pull to get the garbage out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's got yeah, like yeah. one of those things that uh, stops like a child's safety release that stops it from opening up. But as you can see here, the kid is just going to pull the knob and is able what? to just pull it out child with no problem. Child proof. Hmm. I'll just push the button right here. And voila! That's right. Child proof my button. Yeah, it's just, uh, they, they're getting clever now, these kids. They, mind you, they learn from their parents. So, of course, they're going to look at what they, their parents are doing to get into there. And they're just going to, like, push the buttons and things like that and do all the, all the crazy stuff to get into it. And I yeah, could just pull that right spin. off. Like, this is this is amazing. And this kid is able to go... Oh, I see. So, uh, there's, like, um, doors, like, at the bottom of these gates for, like, dogs to and, like, cats to go through and stuff. Mm -hmm. And this kid knows how to get through that because he's probably seen the animal do it. Mm-hmm. There you go. This is the same one again for this uh, garbage thing. <laughs> and this kid is uh, crawling under the um, the yeah. childproof. Um, uh, Just pushing the door. floor underneath, <laughs> unable to get out. What you doing in there? That was fun. Uh, what? This kid's yeah, just. That was fun. Um, Let's see. Spinning. Okay. <laughs> With what? Did you open the door? Yes, with this. With the hairpin? Yes. So she this kid opened so the door with a hairpin. Yep. This is like MacGyver crap. Yeah. I think yeah, I think it's probably gonna be pretty samey at this point, but yeah. These kids' safety devices don't work pretty much. So uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I get a kid, I think I'm going to have to seriously, you know, pre-plan the first nine months to before he appears and uh, make sure everything's childproof, I guess. Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, we're up to our next uh, segment of the show. And uh, so, um, I really don't want to read the first line of this. I kind of want to do going to give it some context, but I guess I'll just have to go with it. Uh, baby poo uh, probiotic cocktail could help fight diseases, apparently, according to scientists. What? Yeah. So, uh, a, prior, a probiotic uh, cocktail made of uh, gut bacteria strains found in the baby's feces could help uh, improve overall health and uh, help weight loss, as developed uh, at uh, Wake Forest School of Medicine in North Carolina. Uh, according to the... Uh, According to uh, Dr. Hayom Yadev, he says that babies are usually uh, pretty healthy and clearly do not suffer from age-related diseases such as diabetes or cancer. And of course, uh, the poop is, their poop is readily available. Oh, no. No shit. <laughs> so, um, the healthy probiotic cocktail was created using the dirty nappies of 34 infants. 
Oh my god. It uh, boosted the short-chain uh, fatty acids and gut bacteria of mice uh, during experiments. Well, yeah, that's probably right for mice. Like, uh, I'm interested to see why... Uh, I mean, I'm interested to meet the people who would be interested in these experiments. To actually, you know, take part in them. Because, uh, I'm sure, you know, if you're, if you're from that part of the, uh, the, uh, the pornography sphere of the internet, then I'm sure there'd be plenty of willing participants for this. But, uh, you know, it's uh, people who uh, suffer from uh, bloating or poor digestion that often have been e advised to eat fermented foods such as uh, probiotics, including yogurt and uh, uh, sauerkraut. Uh, probiotics are live bacteria and yeast and are often described as good or friendly bacteria. Uh, the probiotic uh, are thought to help restore balance, uh, natural balance of bacteria. There is little evidence to support that many health claims are made about them. So, uh, yeah. Uh, basically, we could, you know, people could be eating, uh, eating baby shit at this point. Yeah, uh, very similar. I mean, look at, look at this kid. It's like, uh, you know, they, they, they did this on purpose. But it's like, you know, <laughs> the kid's like, yeah, you're eating my shit. It's like, you know, <laughs> that's what's in the future for you. Ha ha! You know, oh my god. Oh well, like, uh, well, if this fails, the person who came up with this can eat shit and die. Yep. Yeah, so that's all we got to say about that, really. Um, okay, so we've got another video, so let's take a look at this. Wow, that is one scary-looking cloud. Yes, very scary. Yeah, so... It's, it's like something you see in a Stephen King movie. Yeah, it's like, uh... I think this is like... Good grief. This definitely looks like uh, something you'd see in. Uh, so basically, it's just like massive grey amounts of cloud, and uh, just and this person's just, uh, mind you, yeah, I had some balls videoing that from there, and like thinking, you know, not going like, holy shit, look at all of that. And then there's someone yeah. else there, mind you, it's like, you know, isn't it just a, a reflection of modern era? Like, uh, if someone sees something like this, and the first instinct is to whoop out your phone. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, where's Roland Emmerich when you need him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was that. And uh, so uh, oh, we got another article here, and uh, so let's take a let's take a quick look at this. And so this is a story about a grandmother who went on holiday, and so uh, a grandmother is eighty-one has hit out as a Thomas Cook holiday for a disaster Benidorm um, vacation. Um. Freda Jack, grandmother's is out uh, at the holiday company for recommending to her unsuitable Benidorm Hotel in Spain because they had too many Spaniards in it. What? Yeah. Freda Jackson of Intaca said she was endured a two-week disaster quote-unquote trip with her friend from Shadsworth at a Spanish holiday resort in May. She said that uh, travel firm Thomas Cook recommended the hotel and that despite her request for accommodation be located on flat ground because of two pensioners have mobility issues, it was uh, located on a slope instead. Uh, the pensioners also said that the company had failed to inform the two friends that the holiday dates had been changed until six days before the trip was due to start. Uh, Miss Jackson, uh, 81 and a 61-year-old Old friend uh, paid £1,133, so that's probably about maybe about $1,200, I guess, uh, for the holiday, and have determined uh, demanded a full refund for a free holiday from Thomas Cook. Instead, bosses offered them a £75 holiday voucher as compensation for the disappointing trip abroad. Now, you know, all the messing around I can appreciate, 
And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, they were unable to uh, incorporate their mobility and put them in a hotel which was on a slope, I, I get that. But, you know, the, the complaining that there was too many Spanish people in a place in Spain. Like, you know, it's like, it's, it's Spain. Spain usually contains Spanish people. Yeah, I mean, that's where they mostly came from. From what I can tell you, that Spanish people mostly came from Spain. Jesus Christ. Like, uh, this is just, you know, the 81-year-old from Blackburn who said that, who'd been recently on holiday to Greece, Turkey, Portugal, and Tenerife said that, I've never complained about holiday before, but this was a disaster from start to finish. I've never been to Benidorm, and I was really looking forward to it. Uh, my friend and I paid for it from our pensions. Uh, it was a struggle finding it to fund over 12 months, and the holiday was totally ruined. I cried after. Uh, Miss Jackson, who has never booked a holiday with British Holiday Company before, going to Benidorm three months ago, said uh, Thomas Kunk missold and ruined her dream holiday. Uh, she claimed that it was one of her biggest disappointments in the holiday was the rudeness of other Spanish holiday makers and the lack of entertainment catered towards British tourists and in English, uh, such as English tribute acts. Why would you, if you wanted English, an English experience, why not just go holiday somewhere in England? Like, uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of places that are flat on the ground. Well, okay. there you go. Oh my god. Like, and this has actually been making the rounds virally over, over social media and stuff, but, uh, you know, the again, the the mobility issue I can appreciate. The messing around by the holiday, holiday uh, the tour guides and, you know, the... Uh, the, the holiday company, I totally appreciate, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and everything like that. But complaining there's too many Spanish people is stupid. Like, yeah, and I'm really very stupid. I'm really hoping that the media basically just hook up on that just as a... Yeah, just because that was the more interesting, you know, tagline, and uh, I'm hoping that that's not what she thinks, you know, as a as a as a major complaint for this. But uh, mind you, I'm sure we're going to find out soon enough whether it was or not, because uh, you know, usually when there's like reactions to this, usually they end up turning up on like on on like daytime chat shows and saying, "Oh no, this isn't the reason why I said that and the other and things like that." So. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, seriously, if, if that is the case, you know, if you, just a warning out to everybody, if you go to Spain, there's a likelihood is you're going to meet Spanish people. Yes, that's yeah. a fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, another article to, uh, for this, and, uh, okay, so, um, street lighting in, I guess, in Russia is, uh, not necessarily, at least in remote parts of Russia, I guess, is a big thing, but, uh, uh, what happened here was completely crazy. Um, when locals didn't fall down to their knees to thank a Russian official for a lamp, he threw into a rage and threatened to cut off the entire town. What? Okay. Oleg, uh, Duvo, uh, Jubov, I guess is, uh, his name, uh, the long-time head of the, uh, Sphere, um, region of uh, Olinsky District, recently staged a grand opening ceremony for the uh, launch of a lone streetlight in the town of Klomets. Uh, he assembled a crowd, brought out balloons, and held a ribbon-cutting ceremony. Uh, when some in the audience started criticizing the event, however, uh, Juvov uh, turned on his people, lashing them out with obscenities and accusing the constituents of trying to stage a drunken mini-maiden revolution. Over a street lamp. Um, what? The <laughs> what? The incident took place on, on July 26th, but the Russian media only took notice after the popular blogger uh, Enya Velilov uh, wrote about it on August 4th. The ceremony for the street light uh, was carried out by as part of a so-called local initiative support program, a PPMI. Uh, according to the um, 
Volonkite group, Nashdom uh, Olinsky Rayon, uh, the people of Klomets uh, had been uh, waiting on the streets, uh, lights, had been waiting for street light for so long that they came out to the opening ceremony as if they were as if they were a holiday celebration. Uh, lampposts uh, were decorated in balloons and multicolored flags, and Duvov was front and center for the formal ribbon cutting. Uh, according to uh, news portal Eat. Etavir, uh, it was long before long before Dubov was in the heated arguments with several of his constituents. One woman asked if uh, the streetlight could be moved or adjusted, uh, and so if illuminated on the road, uh, so which uh, leads to the wa- a water tower instead of shining on oc- unoccupied houses as it does now. So basically, this guy thought he was going to get this hero's reception for installing a street lamp, which is on abandoned houses and not on the road or even on the water tower, and he was a bit to get like this praise and everyone falling to their knees in uh, you know absolute celebration of this and instead people were giving him shit over it which is probably kind of deserved when you think about it absolutely yeah what a dumb fuck like, <laughs> yes seriously like uh, like these it's like these are the type of politicians they're so out of touch you know from local to uh, to, to to national level and like you know he was thinking like oh hey i'm gonna get all this praise for this and like uh, yeah, like, like, is is that the only street lamp in like the, the entire fucking town? Like, I know there's probably one more, like, just uh, further a bit down the road, you know, as shown here. But uh, my God, this is like, you know, over all this, you know, he was able to get all this praise and celebration over the street lamp, and all these people were giving him shit over it because it was in the wrong location and it was the only like one that they have. Mm. Oh my God. Well, I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing either, and you know, I really hope that uh, you know, I know how pol- corrupt politics in Russia is, in in that, and I know that he'll get re-elected under questionable circumstances, even though he's probably a big pile of shit. But uh, that's the way it seems to be nowadays. All right, we have uh, one last video, so uh, let's hope it's a good one. Uh. Sorry, I think uh, let's start this video again and let's put him on a, a more reasonable background track, shall we? Uh, give me one second. And let me just uh, get out my uh, my collection of sounds. And uh, I'm looking for one particular one which uh, is kind of my favorite. So, okay, let's start this again, shall we? this behavior learned obedience school fido you're not elton john shut the fuck up <laughs> Isn't uh, this... i think we're trying to be the next elton john isn't this the second time we've had like a dog that's tried to pretend he can sing yes we've had you're applauding him go get out of here oh my god let's end the show but, uh, anyway, so this was the Aaron Meta show, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so, guys, if you, uh, just, like, remember you, to remind you all, it's uh, gonna be tomorrow is the deadline at midnight on, uh, uh August uh, 27th, so if you wanna get your questions in for hey, uh, for Craig Barlett for the Hey Arnold anniversary show, um, it's, uh, so, you can ask him anything, Hey Arnold, uh, Hey Arnold the Jungle movie, Hey Arnold the movie, uh, the Patakis, 
anything at all. Maybe even talk about some Hey Arnold Season 6. But, uh, yeah, if you want to get in a question, it's facebook.com forward slash Arometta Show. We're at Arometta Show on Twitter. Uh, Arometta.tumblr.com on YouTube.com forward slash Arometta Show. And uh, if you want to get your questions in for uh, the Hey Arnold Anniversary Show, askcraig2018 at Arometta.co.uk. That's askcraig2018 at Arometta.co.uk. So uh, that's all there for you right now. So, um, Patricia, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, please stop sending us singing dogs. <laughs> We've <laughs> yes, had enough. Please. We've had enough. All right, take care and bye-bye for now. Bye.